Nice to talk to you, George. This is Cam Caskin, and I think you've been reading my book. Welcome everybody to another uh, great roundtable episode show of the Live from the Code Bar podcast. I do have some great guests on another roundtable today. Uh, we have George. He's uh, coming somewhat of a regular on my roundtables. And we actually have somebody new, uh, somebody actually I have been following for a while and I wanted to get on the show eventually. And this just turned out to be the most perfect show to have on. So welcome, Martin. Thank you. Good to be here. It's my fir- first podcast ever. So Excellent. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad I was the one that you decided to, to, to jump on with. All right. So, Martin, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, sure. If I get too long-winded, cut me off because sometimes I just babble on and on and on. So I started my uh, venture into treasure hunting thanks to Forrest Fenn way back in the day. And uh, one of my... Uh, projects during Forrest Fenn was to write my own treasure hunt to try to get into his head and solve it by becoming the treasure hider. And I realized at that time, and as Forrest Fenn went on, that I was not a very good treasure hunter. (laughs) So I figured I could hide treasures better than I could hunt them. So I took on the persona of the Grand Rapids Riddler because we had this uh, gentleman named Joe Kramer in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who did treasure hunts for about 34 years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. And he retired and then passed away shortly after that. And so I took on the persona as the Grand Rapids Riddler. So I've been doing that for about four or five years now. Um, and in the meantime, I've also done some other smaller treasure hunts. I, I My main name is kind of read and seek, readandseek.com, if I can plug myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Grand Rapids Riddler is really what I've been doing the most of for the past four or five years. And that's kind of how we got hooked together here. Excellent. Excellent. Now, I know I did some of your early ones. You did some really good ones. Um, in one book that you uh, released, I can't off the, for the life of me off the top of my head remember it, but uh, you spent a little bit of time abroad in London. And so I remember you you wrote uh, like almost like a using Google Maps and Google Earth to try and find locations and, and send pictures and or, or find pictures of where you are. Um, that was my first take of, of, of finding some of the, the hunts that you've done. And obviously, I've been following on a little bit with some of the other ones you do. I can't partic- participate because I'm all the way in New Jersey as opposed to in Grand Rapids. But I do know that you write some pretty, uh, pretty awesome hunts. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that one that you're uh, talking about is Seek and Ye Shall Find. That was my, my Force Fen tribute, I guess, that I did a short memoir of myself and then uh, had some clues embedded in that story and had QR codes so people could do some some uh, visits to the places that I was talking about. Over the past week, uh, we've the three of us have actually been uh, talking through Messenger uh, quite a bit because there's been some interesting things that have happened this week. Uh, today's uh, show is going to be all about the uh, Golden Apple 
tail armchair treasure hunt. It's a what forty year old, uh, almost a forty year old uh, treasure hunt. Uh, and we do have some new developments, so stay tuned as we go along. We've got some more to tell you. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to leave this one up to the expl- explanation of George because he's a little bit more about this one. George, why don't you, you tell people about this hunt? What the Golden Apple Tale is, is it's a book, and it was released in 1982, like The Secret. I think it was actually released before The Secret, right? Just like a couple of months before? All the advertisements I read had like um, – it was talking about Masquerade, but it wasn't mentioning The Secret. So I think it was probably a couple of months before The Secret. It was a self-published book. It wasn't something that you could buy at a bookstore. Uh, you had to order it out of the back of like Games Magazine or, or Fantasy Magazine, stuff like that. Um, there was just a little order form, order your treasure hunt book here. Um, because of that, the book's kind of rare. I think I've only ever seen one physical copy ever. And I didn't see that with my own, like it wasn't in front of me. It was a photo online of one copy. Um, anyway, this book came out and it, it wasn't much of a success. Most people uh, didn't buy it. Most people didn't know about it. It was written by a, by a guy under a su- uh, the pseudonym Cam Caskin. Um, so nobody knew exactly who wrote it. Uh, and it just sort of, faded into obscurity until, you know, the, the mid two thousands when quest, quest for treasure popped up, there became a, a forum and a list of all of these old and forgotten treasure hunts. Uh, some of my friends, particularly Chris preacher and um, Nadine and Kim picked it up and they've been working on it for as long as I can remember. It's, it's sort of been, while I've been working on the secret, it's been the sort of the, the echoes in the hall, right? Like you just sort of hear things about it. Like Chris will just say something. Um, I just catch like a like a brief snippet of what he's talking about. Anyway, when I stopped working on the secret, I was like, "Let's just dive into this. Like, this seems fun. My friends are already working on it. Let's let's uh, let's go ham." And it's been kind of interesting. Martin, did I? I know you know a whole lot more about the golden apple than I do. Did I miss anything? No, I think you're spot on. And uh, I like it because I've considered it a local hunt. So I, I thought of anybody, you know, I might have a good chance of finding it because it's not going to cost me much to go out and dig around a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those, like you said, George, it, it's an echo. It, it comes back every once in a while. You shelve it because you just can't make any progress. You don't know. You know, if it's still out there, you don't know who the author is. You don't know where it could be. I mean, the the book itself says that it could be anywhere in the continental United States. But I think common knowledge kind of thinks that it's going to be local here to Grand Rapids because, like you said, it's a self-published book. Um, It looks like it was done kind of on the cheap. Um, It's not as much put into it as the secret with all of the images and, and all of the different locations. Um, so yeah, I, I, I thought my, my chances would be pretty high to, to find it here in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Like, and also like the secret, it's not, it's not done well. Like the, the, the guy who wrote it, he wasn't a writer. This story, it's full of weird grammatical errors and weird, just like it, some of it just sounds strange. Um, it's like a Chris preacher once said, it's a, a guy who couldn't write or draw decided to write a book and with illustrations. It's just, it's not, it's not appealing. Yeah. And those bother me so much because are they mistakes or are they on purpose? Is there something embedded in the errors? Are they misspelled on purpose or is it just really sloppy? So that's one of the things that's really bothered me over the years. It, it obviously hasn't been solved yet. That's the big thing, obviously. And and we're not going to make any 
huge announcement that any one of us has found it. That's that's not what we're about here as of yet. Um, and, and that's what I say, as of yet. Give me time, man. Exactly, exactly. Now, <laughs> what, what, uh, why don't you give us uh, – I know that you have written about it on your, on your site um, and stuff like that. Why don't you give us a breakdown of what so far – I did see some of this somewhere places as well – what people have been able to so far get out of this book. Well, here, before before we do that, let's give people a brief rundown of what the story is. Because the story, like the, the book is, is is a story in and of itself. And it's a story about this family called the, the Dong, Donglins. And you, you come to find that apples have a lot to do with the story. Anyway, the, the Donglins have an apple orchard and they're, they're the greatest, you know, apple orchard manufacturer in their area. They sell regular, they export regular apples, they export apple cider, yada, yada, yada. Um, one day the, the children come upon an Indian that's being harassed by two other guys. Uh, and they intervene and they save this Indian turns out to be a famous chief's son. The famous chief comes back to the, to the owner of the apple orchard and says to thank you, I'm going to give you this token. And it's a, it's a golden apple, um, on a, on a chain. And he says, we're just going to hang it here on this very specific tree and you're, it, it will, it will make your orchard flourish. So there's this other family, the Macintoshes, who are jealous of that. And they want to, um, they want to break this sort of, um, this magical power that the Indians bestowed upon the Donglicks. So they take the apple off of that very specific tree and move it to another tree. The apple ultimately is lost, right, Martin? Right, yeah, because they moved it to a different tree, they harvested it with all of the other apples, and then it got shipped out to one of the 48 states, and that's where the riddle kind of starts. You need to find this this golden apple medallion or, or jewel um, that's in one of the 48 states. And the book says that the apple is encased in like a, like a clay. It's, it's got a, a clay-shaped apple is around the golden apple, uh, clay and painted. The tale is is one that you might have heard before. You know, somebody's gotten some magic. They only have that magic. Somebody else is jealous of that magic and basically tries to steal that magic. So it's it's not a original, super original story, but um, the characters and obviously stuff like that are. Um, but as I was saying to before, and, and, and thanks, uh, George, for, for bringing that up, that we should have uh, given an explanation of the story. Uh, Martin, why don't you give us some some breakdowns of of what so far, what well, well, actually what people are looking at when they look at the book, and therefore obviously what they what so far has already been to, to some extent broken down. Sure, sure. There's so the book has lots of different clues. Um, it's, uh, each page that has text has a, a, a states around the text and. In some of those states, a letter is bold. So there's obviously a clue hidden in, in the names of the states. And I think if those letters all put together as an anagram, it, it spells out pine trees. So big help? I don't know. It, it, a, lot of, a lot has changed over the past 40 years. Those pine trees may not be around, if that's even the correct anagram. Um, and then he's got a map somewhere towards the middle of the book uh, showing the 48 states. And he's got numbers uh, in both Roman numerals and, and uh, ordinal numbers, I guess. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Um, and I think if you, if you 
you decipher that, you, you take the states and each number, like California, for example, I think it shows six. So you take the sixth letter of California and subsequently all of the other states, you take those letters as well in, in order. And it spells out Cassiopeia. So he's also got a, a picture in there with a, a with stars towards the end of the book. Um, so a lot of people are thinking constellations play heavily into it. Um, one of the stanzas in the poem, because each page has a poem, each uh yeah, exactly. So you, you'll see the stars on the top and in the bottom right, you'll see a little stanza there. So all of those stanzas have to be put in order because also on each page with a picture, there's a letter hidden someplace. And those letters, when you unscramble them, it says place in order. So you, you think you have to place the stanzas in the correct order to get perhaps the map as it were, to get to the location of the treasure. Um, In the constellation picture that you held up, I believe there's a constellation of Leiden or or the dragon Draco and who guarded the golden apples in mythology. So again, with the constellations, um, it's all very puzzling to me because he's, he says at the beginning that it has, there's computational, things in there as well. So you have to solve not only the visual and the verbal clues, but computational uh, clues. So are those computational clues mathematic? Are they constellation? Um, and so forth. So I, I put together what I thought was a pretty good solution uh, on my website. And it dealt with the, uh, the constellation of Cassiopeia um, and the elimination of, of two of the stars of Cassiopeia based on one of the stanzas where you're eliminating the headlights, the, you remove the two dimmest. So what I did was I took away the, the two stars from Cassiopeia that had the lowest, I guess it's the highest magnitude from astronomy, um, took away the two dimmest stars from Cassiopeia and ended up with a V shape, which I thought would then act as kind of an arrow pointing at the final location once you're on site. Um, it didn't work out so well. It, it seemed to work out, <laughs> work out pretty well in terms of everything was where it was supposed to be in my mind. Um, you know, confirmation bias, I guess, uh, as we've heard from other treasure hunts, right? Um, but uh, yeah, no luck finding the, the golden apple at uh, at my site. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that's kind of like common knowledge. The pine trees, the Cassiopeia, um, the constellations. Um, so there's a lot of information out there. It's just putting it all together and finding some additional information that hasn't been really cracked yet. One of the big ones that I had, that I thought I had, was the P.O. box um, in the front of the the, the book. It, it shows P.O. Box 1196, but when you really look at it closely, that first one looks more like an I, and there's a space between the two ones. So in my mind, that was really I-196, which is a highway that goes through Grand Rapids. So that was my starting point, was where that highway actually began. And then I, I measured the, the distance off based on the stanzas to get to my destination. So I thought I, I stumbled on something big with the P.O. Box being a, a, a 
the highway right in Grand Rapids, I-196, um, but didn't really turn out for me. Yeah, turns out it's just really bad printing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? See, maybe like, it is supposed to be a clue, but... Uh, maybe. Yeah. See, my, my thing, like when I read this, I read it, I think in a completely different way. Like I read this, let's say... They're on Quest for Treasure, someone has put the poem in what they think is the correct order, um, and it's fine. But when, when I read it, I don't come to um, like a final a final location as much as the poem seems to be like a riddle. That like if you take each stanza, each stanza ha- seems to have some sort of riddle in it that gives you a specific word. Like let me uh, take probably the most common one. Um, choose the the stanza reads: Choose a city. Then proceed to this rhyme. Miss Muffet's meal didn't cost a dime. Travel three leagues plus two thirds more west before you decide to exit and rest. Right? It's got that riddle. Miss Muffet's meal didn't cost a dime. Miss Muffet's meal was way. If it didn't cost a dime, it's free. It's freeway, right? So travel down the freeway three leagues plus two thirds more west. Whether or not that's the freeway or how far you've got to go before you decide to exit and rest at some sort of rest stop, right? Like you're exiting the inter- the interstate somewhere. The, every single every single stanza to me reads like that. It's got something tricky in it. You figure out the tricky thing, then the rest of the stanza tells you what to do with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. And and that was where I was going with the the freeway. I had the I thought the I-196 was the freeway. And then you you travel that distance and there was an exit right there. And the, a, a road nearby was Indian Mounds Drive, and we had a lot of Indian mounds in the Grand Rapids area where they buried their dead. So to me, that was exit and rest. So their eternal rest was the Indian Mounds Drive. So I, I thought, hey, I'm onto something here, but, you know, maybe I still am. But And then you have others like some trees have leaves and some have needles. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, they all look like haystacks. If you couple that with the pine trees from before... At this point in time, if you make it fall when the palm, the pine needles are all on the ground, they all look like haste. Like who, who, you know, who knows what the answer is? But that's right. kind of that's how I read the puzzle. Right, right, sure, yeah. And for me, I was thinking that constellations uh, played an important part. That you would had to be on site at night to see the stars, line it up, and at that point in time, everything's dark. They look like silhouettes, so they kind of look like haystacks. It's it's like it's so interesting. It's this book is so open ended. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it that's almost its downfall. But at least in this in this situation, other than like unlike the secret or like Forrest Fenn, it seems to be self confirming in a very unique way. Like you can't get step two doesn't make any sense unless step one unless you've solved step one correctly. Does that make sense? And then it all kind of ties into the same sort of theme. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like. It, I know it's been the same amount of time since the secret this has been unsolved, but that seems to make it a little easier. At least it would be if more eyes were on it. Could be. No, I, I agree. And, and, and you mentioned this at the beginning of, of our conversation, but this book is, is impossible to get as a book, but I, and we will put it, make sure we put it in the, the show notes for, for both the video and, and on my podcast. It is 100% available free as a PDF online. So I'll put the link in there as well. So just like I've been showing you the pictures as, as Martin's been talking, I took the, the PDF and I had it printed out. I just put it in a binder so I can look at each page. That way I can, if I need to, I'll copy the page or print that page out again if I've drawn all over it. And, you know, as I'm, as I've been prone to do sometimes, 
um, just to make sure that, you know, it, I, I'm covering all the bases. But it, again, it is available as a PDF, so anybody can view it now. Um, again, I don't know where anybody's ever going to get a copy of the book if, if, if it's even something that's available. I know, I know you probably tried really hard, George. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the one guy that owns a copy, one of my friends went to him and was like, I will give you an absurd amount of money for that. And he's like, sell my first edition treasure book I, or my, my, my one and only copy printed of a treasure book. No. So yeah, hopefully, ho- hopefully though, some will pop up soon. Who yes. Knows? Yes. So, um, obviously you, you talked about the, the, the verses, uh, that, uh, throughout the pictures, most people have put them into some sort of a um, what they think is the right order. Um, but again, just similar to lots of things out there, there's no been no confirmation whether that order is correct or not. I guess it's just uh, come out as what the most logical, I guess, that they you could say um, if you placed them in order, um, which is why, again, we, we think, especially when you talk about freeway and stuff like that, that does point to a – almost a specific location that if it was in that right order, the next part that's coming after it would, you know, put the next part, the next spot that you go to after you exit off the freeway, you know, or if it is a rest stop, you know, where do you go from that rest stop? You know? Um, so again, it, it does make a lot of sense when you, when you talk about it like that. Um, but it's, this thing's been buried for a long, long time. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to get to it now. Do you want to get to what we've uh, been talking about this whole week between the three of us? Uh, that's up to you guys. What do you, is there anything else? Like, the only other thing that I know about, the only other thing that I figured people would want to know about the puzzle is the weird words that he uses. Like, he, so in this book, like we were talking about before, you don't know if things are misspelling or if they're purposeful. Like, one of the main characters' names, Kathleen. But it's not spelled like Kathleen. It's spelled Kathleen. It's completely misspelled. Um, Kath Kathleen is a word. It means pure, right? But it's it's not a, it's not a common name. Like I, I guess some people have been named have, have have their name spelled that way, but not it's not common. There's- oh yeah, you're right. Like there's what Azar and Arvin. Arvin means friend of the people. Azar means fire, right? There's Akanamawahak or whatever the name of the chief, the Indian. It means waterfall. And then he, he says in one of the verses to look for the, uh, um, um, I'm so hard with words, man. (laughs) Um, phallos, which is like a rounded stone. Like it's, there's just so many, he uses presage who uses the word presage, you know, it means warning sign. Like I, these are the things that I had to look up and they have really weird. When you put them in, in the context of a treasure hunt, they have weird, but specific meanings. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and for the longest time, I was going down an, an Apple uh, computer company rabbit hole because there's a gentleman named Jeff Raskin um, that was a 31st employee at Apple. And seeing the author's name is Cam, Cam I thought it was Mac backwards. Um, and, and Jeff Raskin has a couple of kids, and I think both – both of the sons' names start with A, and they're kind of weird names. I, I'd have to look it up again. But So I thought that was like the Aza and the Arvin. So I thought maybe this was like an ode to the early Apple days, and maybe Jeff Raskin was the author, you know, and he was kind of getting <laughs> getting his kicks with, with the Apple and everything. But 
trying to get a tie in there with the with the app with Apple and everything like that. Yeah, and, and Jeff is spelled J E F, so it was three letters. So I was, I've tried for the longest time to find an anagram or or cipher or something that would get Cam Caskin to Jeff Raskin, and it kind of sounds similar too. So uh, I was hoping that would be the turnout, but yeah. Well, the, there is a way to figure out in the book who the author is. Like the two, the two biggest mysteries for this book is. I'll say the three, the three biggest mysteries in this book right now, 40 years later are where is the golden apple? Is it still available? And who the hell wrote this book? And we can say that we at least solved two of those. We can't tell you where it is, but there there's a way within the book. And then there's some sneaky stuff that uh, I, I can't go into because um, the guy asked me not to, but we did find who wrote this book and Martin was able to talk to him. And I, I've got to hear the story because like it, it, it was, this was the weirdest uh, Facebook message I've ever sent. It's like, I'm sending a message uh, to Martin like, Hey man, uh, you don't know me. Could you go to this other old guy's house that you don't know and knock on his door <laughs> and ask him if he wrote a treasure hunt book 40 years ago, but you, you were like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. And you, took your family and you did. <laughs> I took them as human shields, really. Because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen when you knock on a stranger's door. So I was like, hi, my name's Marty. This is my wife and this is my daughter. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please don't shoot me. I don't know if you guys are violent in Grand Rapids. But tell everybody about how you worked out who this person was, George, because I know you did the majority of this work. Uh, I, I just was facilitating getting you two in contact and then obviously Martin went and saw him. But how did how did you break it down and, and find this guy? So it was a whole lot of detective work uh, with with some stuff that was in the book that sort of confirmed towards the end. I don't I don't know if I want to say exactly how because those because one of the first things Cam said to Martin was like, please don't tell people who I am. Um, so if I if I tell you how I figured it out. It's like bread breadcrumbs, and, and like it wasn't just me. It was a it was a group of people that, that that helped figure all this out. But it was some massive detective work that you know no one previously, I guess, had either done or followed through with. Um, but once once we knew, we just knew, right? Once we hit the end of that of that that path to figuring out who it was, we knew exactly who it was without beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, so yeah. Yeah, so when I when I got your message, George, I was skeptical, as you could probably tell from my my initial responses to you, from my quick, you know, thirty second Google searches. Um, but the more I looked into it, and the more that you know, I, I felt your conviction. I was like, "Wow, oh, this is he's really onto something." So that really encouraged me just to go knock on his door because otherwise, I'd be like, ah, "Just another." crazy idea but no the more i looked into it and the more that that you gave me as background i was like no he's he's right on yeah there was really what like because i have to be a little i had to be a little bit guarded too because we didn't know each other very well and i didn't you didn't know what you were getting into and sort of neither did i but once you put everything together there's no doubt like even if you hadn't went to talk to this man uh we'd still be like yeah this is him no doubt no doubt whatsoever. <laughs> so yeah, tell us tell us the story about what happened there, Martin. Tell us tell us what happened when you went and knocked on uh, this uh, Cam, uh, Cam's door. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was planning to go last Saturday, um, 
but we got like two feet of snow here in Grand Rapids. So I figured, ah, we'll hunker down for a little bit more. So Monday was a pretty nice day, nice, about 40 degrees and sunny. Um, so I, I convinced my wife and daughter uh, to go along with me. And by that time it was dark. So we, we got there, pulled into the driveway, um, walk up to his door. He's got a motion light with a, with a fake dog barking, big beware of dog signs. Um, his windows are covered with uh, tote lids so you can't see into the house. So I'm like, oh man, this is kind of, it's kind of sketchy. I, I'm not too sure if I want to knock on this door, it might be greeted with a gun. Um, but, uh, he opened the door. He seemed really nice at first. He was like, hi, hi, can I help you? So yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm Marty. This is my wife. This is my daughter. Um, and I'm here because a friend of mine in Florida <laughs> asked me to come. So he's like, okay. And then I just kind of like, I, I belong to an online treasure hunting community, work on different, you know, treasure hunts throughout the years. And, and there's, there's this local one that, that, we've been working on for a long time and and it's the golden apple tail and I, then he steps outside of the house he didn't want to invite us in but he stepped outside when i said the golden apple tail it's like okay he's and uh kind of think that you might be the author and he was like yeah 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 so he it, he no resistance whatsoever he could have lied very easily and and said i have no idea what you're talking about you know but he was, he was pretty, I think he was in, in, in shell shock or something. He was kind of like astonished that 40 years later, somebody comes knocking on his door and asks if he's the author of the golden apple tale. I mean, just, just to imagine that would be kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, we, we exchanged pleasantries and kind of went through about how, how George figured it out. Um, then I called George. I, I, I asked him, you mind if I call George? Because George is the one that did all the work and he really would like to talk to you and say hi to you. So we called George and unfortunately didn't get to connect, but got him to leave a voicemail for you. So that was pretty, pretty neat. Um, but yeah, so we just, we, we talked for, for about half an hour and I, I tried to get information out of him. He, he gave me <laughs> a few tidbits, which, which I'll share, um, which he would, I think in the moment he was kind of a little, got a little too excited that, that somebody had, had, uh, figured out who he was in 40 years. Nobody had ever figured out who he was. And, uh, he, he said that it's still out there. The golden apple is, he never went out to retrieve it. It's still out there and he passes it on a pretty regular basis. He said, it's not too far away. You know, he didn't go very far, he said, to hide it. So it's within the city of Grand Rapids, basically. I mean, you don't have to go very far. You're probably not going outside of the city of Grand Rapids, city limits. Um, but he said he passes it on a pretty regular basis. He gets worried because Grand Rapids has had a lot of construction over the years. And he's he's been worried that it would be dug up. But so far to his knowledge, it's not been dug up. The area that he hit it has not been touched by construction. So that's, that's making me think that, you know, something that's visible from the road, it's something that could be hit by either road construction, like near a sidewalk, or as we've seen with the secret, maybe like a park construction or baseball diamond construction or something like that. But something that he could see passing because he made it very clear that he could just see it passing by. 
um, as he's driving. So I thought those are two pretty big pieces of information that he shared. So I, I thought I'd make that public as well. Um, but otherwise he was, <laughs> he, he reminded me of a doc Brown from back to the future in a way, um, kind of eccentric, but really, you know, just fun to be around. He's very natural, naturally, um, personable, but also very reclusive. He, he he's very nervous about social interaction, it, it seems, but when he let his guard down and we, we were talking about the golden apple tail and everything, um, he warmed up pretty fast. So I, I was really pleased. He, he mentioned that he had a stack of books still in the house someplace and he was going to give me a couple so we, I could uh, keep one for myself. He's going to give me three so I could keep one for myself and give the two of you one. So then he ran inside to go look for them and he came back and he had this, this, this little hinge thing. And he said, look, I found some alien technology. So he gave it to us to, to inspect <laughs> and play with as he was going in looking for his books. Uh, and then uh, it came out a little bit later and uh, sorry, I, I just can't find them. We had some water damage years ago. Maybe they got thrown away, um, but he couldn't find them. He was going to keep looking for them. I gave him my phone number. Uh, for contact information in case he finds them, he would give me a call and, and let me know. Um, but then he, w- he was explaining what he was doing with the alien technology. He, the, the mailman slams his mailbox too loudly, I guess. So these hinges have resistance in one direction, but no resistance in the other direction. So when the mailman opens it, there's no resistance. He can put the mail in, but when he goes to close it, there's resistance. So he can't slam it shut. So he, he likes being an inventor. He's, he had some sort of uh, thing rigged up on his porch for the water coming off the roof to drain it away. Instead of eavesdropping, it was, it was actually just some sort of bucket with a drainage system and everything. So it's it pretty interesting how he had that all hooked up. So uh, he shared with me that he's an inventor and an entrepreneur. So he's, he's done things throughout the years, trying to make money on different ideas uh, that he would come up with. Um, and yeah, what else? Man. Did he ever say anything about why? I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing it probably had to do with the sales of the book and whatnot, but yeah. did he ever mentioned anything about why he, um, why he's just left it? Why he's so my, yeah. My impression was that it was one of his entrepreneur, uh, gigs that he admitted that it was a knockoff and that, that was his words. He said it was a knockoff from masquerade. So he, he just thought he had tried to ride the coattails of, of the treasure hunt world and put something out there and see if it would work. And the sales were very disappointing. It didn't sell. And he just moved on and thought everybody completely forgot about it. I can't imagine what it's like to learn 40 years later that like I sent him, I sent him an email, a really nice email um, about how like this thing's brought all over friends together and how it's meant so much to so many people. I can't imagine finding out 40 years later that something you've done has had that much impact on people. Yeah. He might still be processing it. You know, I, I sent him a follow-up email as well afterwards, thanking him to, you know, for the opportunity and for being so nice and uh, haven't heard back from him yet, but he might still be processing it. Maybe who knows, maybe he's uh, considering, well, maybe this thing still has legs. Maybe I can start making some money off it again. Might be another entrepreneurial I can help him make some money. <laughs> yeah, sell those books, you know, find those books real fast. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably plenty of people that will pay some decent money for at least one copy of those books. So 
He would probably could you, like could you imagine a copy signed by Cam? Yeah. Like, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, um, so, yeah, just to, to reiterate what, what you've just been saying, we, we, we found the guy, we found the author, and he has 100% confirmed that the golden apple is still out there. It is still something that you can solve. It is still something that you can find. Now, uh, again, because he did self-publish uh, this book, I know he talks about it in the book that if you know where it is to contact him and he will go with you to go find it or, or pay for you to go find it or whatever, I don't think that's going to ever happen. <laughs> right, no. If you can go out there and, and solve this and go get it, it's yours because it's there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a gorgeous it's a gorgeous apple, yeah. right? Like he, he doesn't specify. It, it's so weird. Like the description of it. Let me pull this thing up because it, it doesn't. I don't think in the description it ever says it's gold. It just implies because it talks about it being. Let's see. It's yeah. Uh, this unique eighteen carat apple. Eighteen carats of what? It doesn't say. This unique eighteen carat apple is accented with hand filigreed fourteen carat white and yellow gold. This remarkable jeweled and accompanying 14 carat chain, 14 carats of gold, whatever, 14 carat chain, entirely handcrafted by Jeff by Jeffrey B. Juhas, who is a real jeweler. Yeah, and I've had communication with him as well over the years. So asking him if he knew anything about the author or or, or the, the jewel itself. So, but did he, he did confirm that he did make it though, right? Yeah, I mean, he did. And he, he said he didn't know who the author was. He said a young gentleman just approached him and asked him to do it and paid cash and there it goes. So, and he was a, he was a, a jeweler starting out at the time. So he was doing custom work. Now he owns his own jewelry business. Okay. <laughs> so it's great. So, yeah. So it's out there somewhere in Grand Rapids is a clay apple with a, with a, you know, 18 carat something apple inside. Yeah. This is awesome news. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, we talk about, I mean, if we, we keep bringing up the secret, but you talk about the secret, just, just knowing if you got some form of a com- confirmation that even just a city confirmation of one of those. Yeah. One of the biggest problems of treasure hunts now from forest fan to the secret is we know these things were hidden we don't know if they're still there. I mean, could you imagine like if, if Byron's wife popped up and was like, yeah, I checked Google Earth where they were buried. There's no damage. They should all still be there, right? It, the, the hunt would explode because that, 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 that little mystery is solved. We know you can find this one. Yeah. With the golden apple, you know you can find it. It's absolutely still there. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's huge. And, and uh, I mean – People have been working on this for forty something, for forty years, of course. Um, as you've been mentioning, taking breaks here and there, and coming back to it. Um, it's it's an old staple for a lot of people to just sort of, you know, test their chops on and see if they can see something new. I'm sure, you know, it, it's going to be something that um, I know we'll post on some of the other sites as well, uh, mysterious writings and stuff like that, uh, just to, to confirm this after the podcast and the video was released, so that we have that sort of exclusive, I guess. Um, we'll let people know that it's it's definitely there after they give us a listen. Uh, but just that's 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 huge. It, it really is a, you know, this is a, it's still a hunt that's out there. It's still active and you can still find it. So, and it's so old. You know, the, the prize of finding something like that is going to far outweigh the 
value of what you're finding. You know, uh, like you you keep mentioning, you don't know if it's you know 18 karat gold or, or or silver or 18 karat whatever. But you know what? You have that thing in your hand, and knowing that you and and whoever you're working with and whatnot have have found that after 40 years, you're, you're going to be armchair royalty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so something else with the secret that, that kind of sucks is uh, if you're not local to these areas, you can't really dig, right? But Martin, you're in Grand Rapids. I sure right? am. Are, are you willing if people like send you a solution or send you an idea, are you willing to check it out for them? Absolutely. Yeah. If it makes sense to me and, and if, if it's legal, <laughs> I'm going to, <laughs> I'll be willing to do it. Yeah. So people can just contact you at readandseek.com? Yeah, readandseek.com. Um, follow me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash readandseek. So. So we're going to put it all in the, in the show notes and at the bottom of this uh, when it all posts and everything like that. So everybody have full contact. Now, I know there's something else going on, and I, and this is specifically for you now, Martin. I know that you've got something planned this year. I want you – this time is going to be all about what you've got going on uh, that is – very much related to this. And actually you'd been planning it for a lot longer than before you even knew what we were going to be doing this past. So tell everybody about that. Yeah. So the summer I started uh, planning to do a golden apple tail 40th anniversary tribute hunt. Um, This is long before George figured out who the author was or any of that. So it was planned well in advance. Uh, It's nearly done working on a few more images yet. Um, and it's pretty exciting. I've got the uh, the prizes already. I've got the location. I've got all of the clues and everything all figured out. Just trying to do the artwork. Uh, my daughter is, is doing most of the illustrations, actually. So it's going to be much in the same style as the original book. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it strangely though, I, I it's kind of on an indefinite delay now. This is kind of like the bittersweet part because I mean, technically. The Golden Apple Tail is still under copyright, and I'm using the Golden Apple Tail storyline and the name and everything. So I do want to reach out to the author and actually get his real permission to do this this treasure hunt so I don't run into any troubles with copyright um, now that he's known. So I, I do have an email into him, um, and if I don't hear from him, maybe I'll go knock on his door. and say hi it's me again i just want to do this all on the up and up and make sure everything's kosher um who knows maybe i can get him to write a forward for me too hi cam it's martin and i have contracts for you to sign yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) you find those books yet i'll help you make a lot more money (laughs) (laughs) oh god i could uh, just an entrepreneur like if he had two boxes of those books sitting around like three hundred dollars a pop oh you know, anyway. I, he, my impression is he's not really involved with, with being online all that much. Um, and so he, he wasn't aware that people were still treasure hunting. He thought that was a thing that died in the early eighties. So he lost interest, thought everybody else lost interest as well. So I don't know if he has realized the full potential of whatever inventory he may have of those books. Yeah. Yeah, I have a I have a knack for finding unknown things like people. <laughs> and uh, once once I found him, I was like, all right, now let's figure out a way to contact him. No, no way. The easiest way was like, let's send someone to knock on his door. Right. Right. 
Wow, that's uh, this has been an interesting story. Now, um, obviously, you've you've said like uh, yours is on on hold for right now, um, and as soon as it is ready to go and, and you've got all the information, uh, I want you to share it with me, and I'm going to share it with everybody as well. I might even have you come back on again, and we'll do another um, talk, and, and we'll talk about your your tribute hunt. Uh, I know they've been pretty big because uh, what was it? Just last year was the the masquerade ones that they did the tribute hunts for. Um, now they've they've actually been doing them twice now, and they've raised some money for uh, charity doing them too through uh, Mysterious Writings. So I know people will will jump on in a heartbeat. And it's been a little while since a new treasure hunt of some sort has come out for a while. So um, it's probably probably a do for a new one to come out soon. Yeah, and I'll I'll have it out soon, hopefully. Um, just as long as I cross my T's and dot my I's, I think. Um, it, it should be a fun story. It carries on a couple of generations after the, the, the families in the golden apple tail. So it's, uh, it's all about the curse and trying to break the curse. And, uh, I've, I've got a jeweled apple that's going to be hidden and, uh, it's, it, it should be a fun, uh, fun little tribute to the original, original tale. Not as many grammatical and, and, and spelling errors, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you see any other clues, I don't know. Could you imagine digging the hole to bury yours and like, what is this ceramic? Apple? Oh yeah, this is a great spot. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like such a great spot, but why is there something already there? Oh man, yeah, that would be a story. Excellent. Well, um, so that's what we wanted to share with you all on this uh, show. So uh, I want to again thank George. Uh, he's going to be helping me along the line now uh, a little bit more. Try to bring the code bar up to something more. Uh, I mentioned it before, I'm going to try and do more and more of bringing that live aspect to the live from the code bar coming in here. So doing some more of these sorts of round tables, um, just talking about all sorts of topics, uh, armchair treasure hunting related, uh, even talking about real treasure if we get into those. Um, Martin, you've been absolutely amazing to have on. This has been an amazing story. Uh, just alone when George contacted me, he goes, uh, do you know anybody in the you know, community that might be in the Grand Rapids area. I was like, well, I, I think I do. And so <laughs> it was good just to be able to, to, to connect all those dots. Um, so you got, you've been amazing as well. Um, so thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was great. Great first experience for, uh, for me. I, it's kind of a face reveal too. I've, I've always with the Grand Rapids Hitler, I've been behind the scenes. So uh, everybody knows what I look like now. I, I was thinking about wearing a mask or something, but I don't know. So we, we should scrap this and do it all again with the mask. I think that would <laughs> just superimpose a face over you. Just, right. It's exactly. like a little smiley face. Right. Those big smiley faces, yeah. All right, guys. Well, you thank you again. And uh, for everybody listening, uh, thank you for listening and watching um, live from the Code Bar. And we'll be back again very, very soon with some uh, more roundtables and some more uh, code ciphers and puzzles. So thank you. And until uh, next time, keep on digging. <laughs>